Well, hello, everyone, and happy Friday. It is indeed the end of the week, and I want this to be the best Friday ever, and happy Labor Day weekend. Um, pretty cool. I am thrilled today because I'm headed to my happy place, which is Boulder, Colorado, to hang out with Abby, our youngest, who I tell you what, we always have a good time up there. We will do some hiking in the flat irons. It will hopefully be a little cooler. Jimlin said last night it's going to be like 60 at night. Can you imagine 60 degree temperatures? We haven't felt those in a minute. So that's going to be really exciting. We're looking forward to that. And um, hey, did you see that our president gave a speech last night? I think it was last night and I didn't watch it. But of course, all the reports are in today. Uh, if you're Listening to conservative commentary, it was the most divisive and hate-filled speech that we've heard in some time. And if you're on the liberal side, it was the most accurate and needed time or needed speech for the time that we're in. And here's what it made me think of is the um, and, and and if you whenever I start going down this road. You know, I tend to do this on occasion. I, I want to uh, just kind of give you a disclaimer that I'm about to about talk about Bible stuff, okay? You know, I'm a Christian, and so I let that, I wear that on my sleeve, but I never try, or I try to never come at you with some kind of sermon or something like that. I try to just use elements of my faith or things that I see that line up with my faith that I think can be universally beneficial what do you only believe that the Bible is just a, a book of allegories and metaphors and Jesus was a cool guy, a real sweet guy, and he was a historical figure that, that never even lived? It doesn't matter what you think, okay? So you don't have to be a Christian to hear a good story, right? I mean, I, I read stories of the Buddha, and I quote the Buddha all the time, though I'm not Buddhist. So enough of that disclaimer. Here's what I want to tell you about. So there was a period in the, uh, in the history of the church at Galatia, in which they uh, they were about to split, there was major major division in the church, and there was strife. And the Apostle Paul he sees this, and he's like, "What is going on?" And he's like, he's trying to warn the elders and the church members. He's like, "Look, hey, don't eat yourselves. There's enough that you have to worry about from the outside. Don't end up." eating yourselves and destroying yourselves. And I think there's actually um, an element of that that we can kind of relate to in the United States of America uh, because we are, I mean, look, it's almost cliche at this point that we are a nation divided, right? And we've always heard that uh, a nation divided cannot stand. And there's even a quote that's attributed to Abraham Lincoln that once said um, that said that essentially America will not die from an outside force, but it will die a death of suicide. And I I think in the vein of the Apostle Paul coming to the church and speaking to the Galatians, I thought I would come on and, and, and just plead with and just look, I've got a microphone, I have an audience. This isn't because I. This isn't because I'm special or, or that I'm the guy to make this this proclamation, if you will. And it's not really a proclamation. It's just kind of a plea to you, whoever is listening on the other end of this microphone, you individually, as my fellow man, 
you know, my, my, my earthly neighbor and in particular, my fellow American, I just want to plead with you to think about this, uh, this one scripture that was found in the, uh, the book of Galatians and it's known as the fruit of the spirit. And most of you out there, even if you're not a Christian, you've heard this thing, the fruit of the spirit. What is that? The fruit of the spirit. And here is what the fruit of the spirit is. And if you want to check it out later, just to, you know, what was he talking about? You pick up a Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's in Galatians. And I think it's, let me see, let me see. It's Galatians 5.16, I believe, is where it starts. And this is, and actually they're listed in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I think that right now, whether you are a conservative or liberal, libertarian, Republican, Democrat, the cool thing is, so, so Paul says to the church in Galatia, he, he tells them that against such things, there is no law. And I would like to just plead with you as my fellow American to consider that against any of these, there is no party. There is no party that I, now we're being told last night we were told that there is one side of the aisle that is against a lot of these things. We've seen on our television stations uh, over two years of rioting and, and looting and things like that, that are associated with one side. And we say, well, that they're not for peace, love and joy. And I think that we've got to stop categorizing individual bad actors, whether they collect themselves in groups or not. And, Tar- and, and then just tarnishing a whole swath of our fellow neighbors as one or the other. I and, and, and look, I am speaking to myself because I was listening to a piece of President Biden's speech and I, this morning, and, I, and I, I felt myself welling up with anger and not so much, and, and look, it's not so much because I just disagree with the message as much as the fact that it, it, it appeared that there was, it was supposed to be a, a speech about unity and I didn't hear a lot of unity. And I know some of you on the other side of this microphone who support president Biden or, and I'm not, you know, look, I'm trying not to, I mean, look, you know, my colors, you know, who, you know, probably enough about me to know what I believe that, uh, but that's not the, that's not the point here. If you're saying, yeah, but, that's what we got to stop saying is, yeah, but. And that's where this thing is of love, joy, peace, kindness, patience. You know, if someone doesn't believe the way you believe, be patient with them. Be patient. Walk in love. Even if they, and look, I mean, I did a, a post. Someone had asked me, what does turn the other cheek mean? And I responded to that, and this is my best response for the turn the other cheek that I can come up with. And again, 
Always remember, just because I'm the guy with the microphone, the podcast, and the improve always and always motto and all that stuff, it doesn't give me any authority whatsoever. It just means I'm a guy, just like a lot of you, trying to figure this thing out. That's it. I say all of this with the utmost humility. But here's how I have, later in life, by the way, come to understand turning the other cheek. So a lot of people think it's a sign of weakness. I remember this story of our preacher's son whenever I was growing up. He was on the football field, and there was there were two, two players on the team that both their fathers worked at First Baptist Church. One of them was uh, John Redmond, who was a linebacker, good ball player. And there was another, I think it might have been Shane Lewis. I can't remember. It doesn't matter the names. But nevertheless, these two guys were playing, and one of them got hurt and and said, you know what, um, it's okay. I was taught to turn the other cheek because I think he was hurt like it was a penalty or something silly like that. And John Redmond, the uh, the preacher's son, says, I don't care about turning the other cheek. I'm going to go get the guy back. Okay, so it's we used to, at least I grew up always thinking that turning the other cheek was almost kind of like this weakness, like making yourself just submit to no matter what came your way. And if somebody did you wrong, well, that's okay because I'm a Christian and Jesus just doesn't take revenge and leave revenge for the Lord and forgive. And it's like heaping burning coals on their head. There's all these elements in the Bible. You know, we, you know you've heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I hereby say, pray for your enemies. And so you're like, okay, so that turning the other cheek just means, okay, whatever you do to me, I'm just, I can take it. As I have gotten older, I realize that's not what it means at all. If you know of any really incredible martial artist, like my buddy Brandon Jones, who's been on, who's the founder of Tyler Kung Fu and Fitness, and I hope he's listening to this. Brandon, to you, my brother. Brandon Jones is a mild-mannered um, guy that's quiet and unassuming and could completely annihilate most any individual physically that he comes in contact with. But he doesn't. And that, and, and even if somebody came, it's like if someone came and like thumped him on the, the head or insulted him, I mean, you're talking about a, a, a Kung Fu master. And he could actually kill with his bare hands most any man that he ever came in contact with. But he wouldn't. And I think that is the essence of turning the other cheek. It's peace through strength. It's having the strength to dominate someone and choosing not to. It's not being a doormat. It's not letting people walk all over you. It's having this, it's knowing what you know and knowing what you know to be true and being able to completely get some, you know, be a ninja debater and just completely tongue-tie somebody in, in a debate, but deciding, I don't have to do that. Because you can't do both. You can't walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And also be someone that dominates another just because you can. Now, what happens, I think that turning the other cheek means having the power to dominate and simply choosing not to. It does not mean that you don't, when somebody tries to slap you across the face, you grab their hand and say, no, you will not do that. 
don't ever do that again. It doesn't mean don't do that. It also doesn't mean, here, slap me, give me another. It doesn't mean that. It means practicing this thing called self-control, of having the power to dominate and choosing not to. Another thing that I think as we, as I listen to that speech by President Biden, and as, as I just kind of look at the landscape in general, and I want you to think about this for yourself. I know in this audience, I have some diehard, ultra right-wing friends. I know I have some friends that sit right in the middle as middle as you can get of the political spectrum. I know I have some friends that are uber left-wing, that are way over on the left. And then I know I have some friends that don't even think about politics. They could care less. And what I started trying to do, and by the way, I fail. There are sometimes I just get angry at one side or the other. What I've tried to do is imagine all of my individual friends that fit in one of those categories and remember that there is no such thing as a group per se. It's a bunch of individual human beings. And the only thing that I can do to try to combat the divisiveness is to practice self-control, to walk in love to walk in kindness, to come up against someone who that might be completely ignorant to the the genesis of the Constitution, the genesis of this country, the the, the people that you come in contact with that have such strong opinions on how the government should run, yet can't explain to you why America became the lone superpower in, this, in, in such a short period of time. What made, what is so genius about a government of the people, by the people, for the people? What does that mean? Why is a constitutional government where the government is restrained and the people are in charge, why is that such a big deal? Instead of coming at somebody like that with a bunch of knowledge of the Constitution and and James Monroe and Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson writing the Declaration of Independence and John Adams and George Washington. They don't care about that. Instead, I'm trying, and I hope that you will as well, to just talk to them in love and try to understand why do you believe as you do? What is the history of your belief? Um, I think as we get closer to, to, to 2024, we're going to be, man, we're going to be pitted against each other. You know, we're, we're like the kids in a divorce where we are the absolute best weapon that, um, that one parent can use against the other. You realize that's what we all are, right? That's what each and every one of us are. You've got Republican, Democrat. You've got the two parties, and we're the kids. We're, we are the best weapon, the citizens of the country that those two can use against each other. If I can make, if I can make you, who do you want to be with? You want to be with me, your dad, the one that's going to be strong and teach you how to be independent and take care of yourself. Is that who you want to be with? 
or do you want to be with me, your mom? I care about you. I love you. I'm going to always hug you and nurture you. You want to be with me, right? And then they're going to tell you, the child, all the reasons why you should be with mom or dad or Republican or Democrat. They're going to pit us against each other. They're the best weapon that these two political animals collected together have against one another. The question that we all have to ask ourselves is, are we going to allow them to make us pawns? Are we going to think individually? Are we going to believe our eyes? And know? I mean, most of us, you know, the American people are just that. They're, we're people. We're humans. We're the most uh, brilliantly designed miracles of creation that exist. We're, and we all see the nonsense. We, all, we know when we're being lied to, but sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sometimes the lie, we know it's a lie, but it's like, yeah, but it's the lie I want to hear. And so we go along with it. It sounds good. It feels good. Because to go the other way would make me have to admit some other, some things I don't want to admit. It made me feel some things I don't want to feel. And so therefore, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to believe your lie. I'm going, to, I'm going to buy in. I'm going to willfully deny reality because your narrative suits what I want to be reality. Well, I think that, um, I think what we've got to do, I think we have to, I don't know, don't, don't do what uh, Lincoln said, which, you know, Lincoln's the one that said, nations do not die from invasion. They die from internal rottenness. That's what I was alluding to earlier. Um, I think we've got to find a way to turn the other cheek to know, no, no, even if you know, if you believe within your heart of hearts that you are right, stop looking at the other side as the enemy. I have my biases. I believe that a lot of, I, I mean, well, look, individually, I know how I feel. I don't really, I, 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 another thing I did about um, evil versus just wrong, just in, in hurt feelings, you know, just because someone hurts your feelings doesn't mean they're evil. Just because they tell you something you don't want to hear doesn't mean that they're evil. That goes for both sides. I hope we can get to a point where we can all just be honest with each other, speak truth and love, and we're more obsessed, instead of with being right, we're more obsessed with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The self-control is the toughest one. It is. It's so. It's so crazy, watching and and um, again, looking in the mirror here. We want to try to tell everyone else how to live. We want to manage their life, yet we can't even manage our own. Our kids are a mess. We're overweight. We drink too much. We do. We abuse our bodies. We put things in our mind and before our eyes that are just absolutely rotten. Yet we want to scream and shout and tell the world how they should live. Self-control is a tough one. And it's funny, every, every time I, it, it just happened to me this week. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell a story on myself about turning the other cheek. <clears throat> I received a text from an individual that was passive aggressive. And I'm the type of person at this point in my life where if you send me a read between the lines message or you say something that's read between the lines, I will call you out of it, it, right then and right there. I won't text you back. I'll pick up the phone and call and say, hey, explain this text. 
inevitably it takes like 30 seconds to get to the root of the real meaning of it. Well, that happened. This individual, you know, they didn't mean to, but I was like, okay, why did you text this very thing? They came, they didn't come clean. They just kind of tripped over their words and the truth came out. And instead of turning the other cheek, which would have been to say, you know what? Don't do that again. It's not right. And I don't appreciate it. If you have something to say to me, if you are hurting, if you are upset, be an adult, call, and let me know. Instead, I just let into him. <laughs> totally did. I mean, you know, no self-control, no turning the other cheek, just lit them up. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, man, I had, it was this week that I talked about self-control and turning the other cheek, and I just did the exact opposite. So again, just because I'm the guy with the microphone, you know, talking this stuff doesn't mean that I think for a moment I'm not fallible or, uh, you know, just like, again, not to preach a sermon, but the Apostle Paul, he even asked himself, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Well, it's just it's being a human. It's being a human. There's a reason why and what part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's a biggie. And I just think that if we would all be able to just manage ourselves, manage our emotions, don't label someone evil just because they think differently than we do, even if they're absolutely wrong. You know, the, the, the best thing you can do when you know someone is just blatantly wrong, I mean, they've got it all wrong. Their views are bad for them. They're bad for their community. They're bad for everyone around them. And the best thing you can do is just love them. That, th there's nothing that will gain you credibility like loving someone you completely disagree with. Because at some point, they will, they, you're going to give them the opportunity to maybe, not in all cases, but to maybe go, all right, tell me why you believe what you do. I'm just interested. I don't agree with you. I completely oppose everything you stand for, but tell me. And then also you're going to have to realize that there's going to be times where you're just casting pearls towards swine, where they, they're wrong. They may even know they're wrong, but they're not going to change. Uh, that's one of the things that you know, I ran into this week with this person that I kind of lost it with is like I, when I realized I'm just casting my pearls towards swine, that's when you just have to go, all right, I'm out. I'm not going to waste my time. It's not worth it. It's not worth my heart rate going up. It's not worth my blood pressure shooting up. Not going to do it. I'm out. But I think right now we're like that church back in Galatia. We are so divided. So divided. We're eating ourselves. And the politicians are, they're watching a football game. They're watching a football game, many of them. They're just up there watching a game because they're not impacted. I mean, they're, they're going to be fine either way. And it's just, it's just kind of like, I want my team to win. And the strategy is to get my team to hate you, your team, and your team is going to try to, you know, try to get your folks to hate me. And they're just kind of like, 
their general managers and offensive and defensive coordinators. I guess that makes President Biden the head coach. I don't know. Or maybe the league commissioner. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But either way, I think we all have to decide are we going to be just pawns? Are we just going to be the kid that's manipulated by the evil mom and dad going through the, the divorce? Or if we're going to stand up and go, hey, you guys go fight it out. We're going to, we, we got this. We got this. We love each other. Because you got to remember this politicians are the symptom. Politicians, they come from out of the ground, if you will. And here's what I mean by that. Joe Biden's not driving any American narrative right now. Joe Biden is not the president because he came out of obscurity. I mean, the guy's been there you know, over 40 years. He didn't come out of obscurity and all of a sudden rallied over half the country to his call and to his message. And all of a sudden, the culture shifted in favor of Joe Biden. There's not one politician. It was the same same with Trump. Trump didn't just all of a sudden say, hey, everyone, look here. G- give me a minute. L- listen to what I have to say. Okay, now that I've got your attention, this is what you should do. And all of a sudden, the culture shifted toward Donald Trump. They're just symptoms. We're the ones making it happen out in our churches, our communities, our schools, our school boards, our city councils. We're making it happen at the local level, and it bubbles up and bubbles up and bubbles up until all of a sudden the politician that you see that's your congressman, that your state representative, your state senator, your state representative, and ultimately your governor, that they are just symptoms of what's happening out in the quote-unquote real world. They're not the drivers of culture. (laughs) Politicians don't drive culture. They are just results of it. And if you don't like the politicians that you see, that you're getting, well, then the best you can do is to start changing the culture at the most granular level. And I think that starts in your own house, first of all. I think you make sure that you got your whole house on the same page. Everybody knows what's what's what. And then it's in the community. It's, a, it's, a, it's in your workplace. It's a, and it's getting involved in your local school board. Those sorts of things. And just and, and drive the culture. And again, if you and if the culture becomes spirit, a spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control then hopefully, God willing, we'll eventually have politicians and leaders that reflect these things because they are symptoms of the culture we create out here in the real world, the day-to-day world. So I think it's important that we remember that. I know this was kind of just a political rant, so, uh, um, and I know everyone's talked this to death, but I, you know, I thought... After that speech last night, I thought, you know, I really and I and I don't know. I guess I guess if you if you are a uh, a Democrat and you saw that speech, you probably see it way differently than I did. You probably see it as, yeah, that's how you bring about peace. Is you you you? I don't know. What would you say to me? I mean, if I wish I wish I had a Democrat here to to say, okay, so what would you say that by shaming people that support Donald Trump that you're going to win them over by shaming. I guess I said, so you're going to win them over by shaming them and accusing them of 
being a threat to democracy. I don't know that that works. I don't know, and I guess that's kind of my point. I don't know that that works any differently than if it were Donald Trump still in office and him making snide comments or demeaning comments about liberals or uh, Democrats. I, I don't think that shaming and and calling one person lesser than or you know you know basically tearing one down to build yourself up I just don't think that's the best way to go about things I, I that's why you know two historical politicians that seem to be able to hit a nerve with real unity uh Ronald Reagan and John F Kennedy Democrat and a Republican they both led during a time I think when we may not agree on fiscal policy, on on social issues, but there was but the, both of those men had the power to bring us together in agreement that America is the is the last best hope. America is the best shot of getting this thing that we call the human existence done as well as as anyone. And I've always said that's probably it's like a double edged sword. That's one of the biggest problems with America is that it's it get it gives more hope than any other nation. It's like we 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 get to get closer to perfecting the human experience than any nation on earth. That's why if you want to know why uh, the people on the far left still believe they can create utopia where no one that wants to that where everyone that doesn't want to work doesn't have to but can still have health care money, and a good life. And those who want to work, well, they can work and they'll have enough money and they won't get angry that they're taking their money and giving it to someone else. And we can all have health care. We can all have great education. You know, the artists will be artists. The workers will be workers. And utopia, the reason why I think they're more energized and more animated than ever now, the utopians, is because America can give you this false sense of hope like nothing else because never in the history of the world, has there been a country where the human experience what went as far and flourished to the degree that it has in America? So what happens? We believe that we can just damn well do anything. We can create, we're America, we can create utopia. Which we know, paradise will never exist this side of heaven. And usually whenever you try to create utopia, a lot of people starve. It's just, that's just the reality. Everywhere it's been tried. But I think that Kennedy and Reagan did the best job of that I've seen in not my life. I wasn't around Kennedy, but Reagan, I was a child of the Reagan era. But the thing I'm, I, I, I love space. I love the uh, space program and whatever. I, I think that's what people that don't really care about NASA and space and space exploration, which I never did really growing up. That was, I was not a kid that said I wanted to be an astronaut growing up. It wasn't until I was an adult that I really realized the wonder and the miracle that is space travel and all that we've done in America. But as it related to Kennedy, when he was at Rice University and he, and he gave his great speech about we choose to do things that are hard, and he described in detail how we were going to create this, this rocket that stood so high and had the precision of a Swiss watch and, and all these different things, and we're going to go to the moon and we're going to bring it back, uh, we're going to be, bring it back safely. And, 
and he described this thing. It was it was something that every human, regardless of whether you're Republican or Democrat, you were a human and you were an American and you thought, wow, collectively we can do some unbelievable things. That's amazing. We can get excited about that. And then Reagan, he was the type that he was the president during the movie Rocky Four, right? Where he was going to uh, dispose of the evil empire. We're going to get together and we're going to stand for what is good about America. There is some bad, but we're going to stand for what is good, freedom, liberty, being able to dream and all have equal opportunity to make that dream come true. And it wasn't perfect and it never will be. There's no such thing as perfect this out of heaven. It will not exist. But the thing is, in America, we have we, we, we create more hope for perfection than any other nation on earth. That's why the line is always to get in to America. There's no line to leave. When I hear of celebrities saying that they're going to leave and, this, and, and, and not to beat up on celebrities, but I'm like, it's, it's how pathetic and comical is that? You're going to go down to the South Texas border and tell those people, those mothers bringing infant children across that border, risking death, starvation, heat exhaustion, or you're going to go tell these Cuban migrants that have recently started coming over that have risked death to get to the Florida coast. You're going to say, what would you tell them? Leave? I am. I'm out. I mean, sure, I get to, I've made millions and millions of dollars in this country. I was a high school dropout, and here I'm treated like a god. I have more freedom, more power. I have more houses, more cars than you can possibly imagine. But hey, if I were you, I wouldn't come in. It's a, it's a, it's a racist, horrible hellscape. Leave. Is that what you would say to those people? Because to me, if you're a celebrity and you have all those things, and that's what you're doing, you're saying, I'm renouncing my citizenship, I'm out because some politician gets elected. That's what you're telling those people that would, that would die to be here? Yeah. Go back to where you came from, folks. I'm out. And I've got every luxury you could possibly imagine. I still hate it here. Hmm. Something to think about. The fruit of the Spirit, check it out. Let's all, and again, looking in the mirror, let's try to practice it collectively. And I guess with that, I hope that you have a fantastic Labor Day weekend. Just uh, enjoy your family, enjoy your loved ones. And I'm going to be in Boulder, Colorado, enjoying time with Mrs. Wright and Miss Abigail. I'm Jason. I'm out. I love you. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend.